Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the market report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by the farm chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two. And don't forget, you can always check current market prices on the homepage of our website, dewinggrain.co.uk. Okay, this week's podcast is going to be me having a little reflection on how things are in this world at the moment. I can dwell on prices week after week, but largely we've been calling it down. The market is going down on just about every commodity. Farmers are not particularly happy with that, and they're not actually trading very much in this environment either. The weather's been dry, they've been able to get on with one or two other jobs. There has been wheat still going in the ground this week, so today's the 31st of January, and yesterday and today there are people planting wheat in this county, and I'm pretty sure in other parts of the country as well. So the crop is getting a little bigger, and the spring barley crop is shrinking a ditty bit to boot. Anyway, so the thing I want to talk about is kind of long-term possibilities, the state of where I see things, and trying to pick a path of what the right thing to do from a trading perspective. It's no point going into the detail of prices individually because at point of reference, the May futures are trading at 175.50, which is another couple of quid down, which makes ex-farm prices way into the 160s, and new crop is trading 193. 350 which is about 180x for november so pretty pretty grim whether it's below cost of production or not whether we you know whether production of a 24 harvest is lower because your fertilizers come down possibly it isn't so bad but if we're going to get a very poor yield i suspect it is below cost of production so it's just my thoughts and i'm going to you know ramble who knows what direction i'm going to go in i don't know myself so let's start with you know cereals and oil seeds whether it's right to grow it or whether it isn't you know you have woodland you have non-farm money buying farms and doing luxurious sort of i've got a park type thing your sfi you've got solar you've got rewilding you've got maize digesters looking at energy production all of those things plus more that are fighting for your acreage and lots of people are weighing up you know the dynamic of the sfis especially for some of the farming units take away the contractor just go into one of these schemes for a couple of years you maintain the arable name for your land and more importantly you're going to make money without you know have an old forts and super major and a cutter on the back and you can get by you know so if a farm is, is looking to maintain its ownership without passing on it, it it does give options for some people to reduce production and therefore cereal land's going to go out of production for that yeah, you, if you want to keep it in the family, that's a way of doing it. That's the first thing. So is that important? We have enough food. Farmers actually farming and producing food is really what we're trying to get at. We've had a number of podcasts on the subject and we're not clear in our own minds what exactly happens next. So we take that on to DEFRA. Do DEFRA know how many people are signing up at the moment for the various schemes? I don't think they do. People are getting a very slow reaction to it. There's a lot of people now changing their plans. I just wonder how many acres are going to disappear. I mean, farmers like to farm. We've always been told that, and that's very, very true. But if you've got difficult conditions like we've got with this season, it does extend the number of people who are going to perhaps cut the odd field out for a season or two. Now, whether that's their long-term plan or whether they get used to doing that is another question. But I think there is an issue in them not knowing how many acres are, are disappearing into these schemes. The other thing is, you know, does it really matter that we're not going to produce enough food? In 1939, the UK imported 75% of its food. The only problem with that was we had a war. Now, all right, 
let's face it, there's lots of threatening noises from lots of countries now. We've got an army that barely fits into a football stadium. Not that that's how a war's going to be fought in the future, but we're kind of in a situation where we are an island and, you know, sieges throughout history, however many wars you want to go back to, in the end, if people could cut a city off and cut the food out, that that particular city had to surrender or a state has to go, oops, we can't feed ourselves. And it happened to the UK in 1939 with the U-boat sinking the various vessels coming across the Atlantic. So with that in mind, it's happened to us before. And does that matter? Does it really matter? I would say if we go to war, yes, it does, but let's all pretend we're not going to go to war, or not pretend, let's assume we're not going to go to war. Does it matter that we're not producing food in our own country? You've got a number of places around the world that are currently producing lots of surplus food, Russia being one of them. They're not very fond of selling us stuff. But Argentina are going to have a biggish crop by the look of it. Everyone talks about their weather, and it goes good, bad, good, bad, but they always end up with a load of stuff piling around the world. Australia, big crop. You have Europe in shortfall this season, but potentially lots of their acres are also going out for these various carbon schemes as we all try and get greener. So maybe Europe becomes a net importer. But we're then into that argument about quality, about, you know, is it the same standards? Does that matter? Get back to that point. Does it matter? The Ukraine have been obviously selling wheat via various sources and lots of it has seeped into Europe and probably... The reason why the price has gone down across the whole of Europe is because of the Ukrainian wheat that's come into the system. We didn't produce that much of a surplus in Europe, and yet there's a massive surplus at a very low price. It's almost certainly Ukrainian wheat. Can we keep doing that? I mean, talking to my Ukrainian friends who stayed in our house, they are saying that the men on the front line are saying it's over. They're going to lose. The government in Ukraine are saying, no, no, give us the bombs, give us this, that and the other, we'll beat them. But the reality is there's so many men being lost, it's beginning to look like when, not if. And that's really sad and disappointing and all the rest of it. But what happens if that's true? What are the implications of Russia taking over Ukraine in terms of, and forget all of the humanitarian stuff because, you know, that's not my job. In terms of grain supply, what happens? Do the Ukrainians not bother to try or do they, because they're farmers, just say, okay, don't kill us, we'll keep farming? I don't know, but either way, it's, you know, that Ukrainian wheat, if they are taken over by Russia, won't come our way, and that should secure our prices within Europe a bit more, so the price could go up for that reason. But either way, we really need to kind of anticipate that something's going to happen there that's going to work one way or the other, and you can't second-guess it, so we've got to assume at some point they will lose, I think. That's where I'm at with it at the moment. That's not very nice of me, I know, but, you know, we've got to consider eventualities. That being the case, as I say, there's bucket loads of cheap wheat or cheap grains all around the world from people who are growing it on a different specification to you lot over here. So which then boils down to the government's, you know, what do the government want from us? Now, the government, in my opinion can't see beyond the next election. All they want to do, well, their only food strategy is they're getting voted in. So what does that mean? Cheap food prices. So I don't think you're going to get any help as a farmer from the government in the immediate short term because they're going to throw everything importing as cheap as shite as they possibly can. They don't really, really have any plan, as we know, beyond that. So it's anything goes, get the price down. So they're not going to raise taxes either, which is going to, you know, maybe pay for an army or maybe pay for some weapons or maybe have a food strategy. But the point is, imports are not going to stop if they get the opportunity to come in. And I think that daunting prospect for the future. 
the next government, will they be any different? I don't think so. I think everyone's going to focus on being, look how good we are, we've got the cost of living down, and who gives a shit about the farming community? It's only 1.4% of the population. So I kind of think, unfortunately, our government is geared for pleasing the populace, which is fine, unless you get into a position of war and, you know, go back to dig for victory when everyone had to suddenly realise there wasn't enough food and they had to find a way of doing it. So maybe we'll all be digging up tennis courts again if we have a tennis court and putting uh, carrots in. So, (laughs) but you understand the principle of what I'm trying to get at. When I say, does it matter in terms of government policy, do they really care? I gave the example a few weeks ago about oilseed rape. I said there's two American firms own the two crushing mills and the price of rape is below cost of production. Now it looks like, as far as I can see, the FOB price in Europe, they've imported six or 700,000 tonnes of oilseed rape from abroad. And the FOB price, I think, is the same as the delivered price they've been paying into the mill. Now, that's fine, except they've got to ship it from one place over to here, which is going to be 20, 25, I don't know, however many euros per tonne to do it. So in other words, they're paying a premium for a product to keep the price down in the UK. Now, if that mattered, does anyone look into that? Does anyone say, hang on a minute, you're undermining the UK farmer here. He can't make a living out of growing this product. And you're paying more money for a foreign product just to keep the prices down to subdue it. Are you a cartel? Is the question. I think if imports are more expensive than UK product, then clearly they're doing it for a reason. And that reason is they don't want to pay the money. They want to keep the price down. They've got control of it. So I guess the message to oilseed rape growers on that level alone is stop growing oilseed rape. It won't make any difference because we'll still have oils because it'll be imported just like it is now. It doesn't, you know, there won't be a shortage of oil because you're not growing it. It's just there'll be imported oil continuously. And I don't think it'll make much difference to those firms because they can push their prices up because there isn't a supply from the UK cheaper. So there you go. That's how much the government cares about you on that one. So I'm sounding a right miserable git as usual. So let's try and get some optimism in here. What can happen that makes the market go up? Well, the weather. But that's a double-edged sword, isn't it? You have a rubbish weather pattern, makes next year's crop awful, which makes the price go up because there isn't going to be enough of it. But that means you've got a rubbish crop. All right, you could wish that rubbish crop on another country. That's kind of like not very nice of you. And that generally is what we all do. If that happened, then yeah, that'd be fine. We'd have lovely weather here, bumper yields out of a crop that's looking pretty peaky because of the wet and the misery that we've had so far. Let's just fantasise for a minute. The crop is really good and which country do you want to pick on for having a disaster argentinians the americans the uh, whoever someone somewhere has a really really bad bit of weather and their crop is going to fail our prices would go up so that'd be good if our harvest was actually not suffering those droughts or heat waves or whatever maybe optimism what else could help a change of government policy how about that actually recognize the unlevel pitch that you guys are playing on is that not what we're all trying to achieve is that something that could or couldn't happen as i say we've got some aspirations for what we want to happen in the future and one of them is it would be great if we are genuinely going to be asked to grow things in this country could we possibly have other people growing it to the same spec would be a good start so i can't see much optimism beyond that we're talking price as being optimism I can't see the government finding bucket loads more money to chuck at agriculture, but I kind of want agriculture to be protected. I also don't want agriculture to fall into the hands of about three foreign firms, because, again, when it gets down to national security, if if you're relying on the Americans with Donald Trump in charge, 
you ain't going to get a lot of you know change out of that and there's a chinese company in this country well they ain't going to help us you know it's going to be you know whatever tactic they get their company to do you're going to need companies that have a kind of british bias to them and have a very good look around there aren't very many of those are there long live the independence hey boys so let's look long term low prices cure low prices is the theory that could be ruined by an attitude of government to allow imports. SFI is a viable alternative for the time being. Is it the long-term answer? Possibly not. I don't think, as I say, DEFRA know exactly what land is taken up in these schemes. I think that will be an eye-opener when they do find that out. But one thing I am pretty sure of is the years of UK surplus are behind us. That's the point. So if that's the case, we're break-even. That should mean prices are better unless imports are allowed to take over. Yeah, and once the imports are allowed to take over, that means carbon footprint out the window because it costs carbon to grow it, it costs carbon to get the, the thing on a boat and over here. Standard of production, out the window. Assurance schemes, not relevant. Yeah, basically all of the things that we're fighting to do properly are going to be cast aside like an old stinky sock. Yeah, there's a question on the carbon, actually. If we import, does the carbon cost show as coming from the supplier? Does that make sense? So the UK can say, look at us, we're so green, we don't have any carbon here, we don't use any, we're just using these fields and it's sucking carbon in, but nothing's being spent on the field. But somewhere around the world, somebody is growing it and burning diesel and whatever, and then they are shoving it on a boat, and that's a very heavy oil usage to come over here. Does that all show us the other supplier's carbon cost? I suspect it does. I think our country will look very green if we import things. That must be really tempting for the government to do that, albeit it's as false economy as the electric cars, isn't it? You know, they have how many million litres of water to make one tonne of lithium. You know, it's all of these things that, that we're pretending are going to be, we're doing the world of good and we're not. If this is the case, we're going to be importing. Prices will never be enough for cereals to be grown in the UK unless you have a very specific contract on it. I hope that there'll be some form of contracts that link to possibly proof of carbon usage that will be able to give enough of a premium to encourage people to grow it. But potentially it could be a much, much smaller crop. You can't compete with foreign products that are of of inferior quality because your government don't care they've got to get cheap food to keep in government they don't want long-term strategy they just want cheap food to get in government in five years time if that's the case it'd be the death of the independent merchant which is a very sad day for doing grain but i can't see any other way around it i think it will be we can't compete with cargill or adm or bungie or vitera to import argentinian wheat you know i haven't got the contacts we haven't got an argentinian office so we'll be unable to supply and which is fine you know that we'll still be eating as long as the u-boats don't sink the won't be u-boats whichever boats sink cargoes coming this way i think the prospects that makes me feel really gloomy that particular scenario so it all again boils right back down to politics so i think what i'll end with in terms of my running on and being miserable and trying to pick the way out of this I don't see a massive cure for prices at the moment. I think the only hope you've got of a price hike in every commodity is a weather scare. I think there's a high chance there's going to be a weather scare this year, but it doesn't solve the long-term prospects for agriculture because we haven't got a strategy that protects you. We've got a strategy that makes you spend more money to grow it and compete with people who don't have those restrictions. So unless we get something to really motivate UK growers to continue on a fair playing field, we're all going to be buggered with this, and which is fine because we'll all be eating still, but the consumer does need to understand that they've outsourced bee killing, they've outsourced 
cruelty to animals. They've outsourced this. You know, in the end, they are doing all the things that they've pointed at farmers and said you're bad for. They're actually encouraging it because they eat this cheap shite that comes in. So I think we'll have a little manifesto. We need a clear stated food supply strategy from government that clearly highlights these issues about playing fields, about the fairness. Only UK standard allowed in. If we have to go to a spec, whoever comes in has to be on that spec, regardless of the Liz Trust deal, which was, you know, the opposite of that. At least the government stood up to Canada this week and said no to hormone beef. That's a good sign, but will it last forever? And the, the deal with New Zealand and Australia in so many years' time runs out with that anyway, so hormone stuff will be coming in. I would like to see full border checks, unless we have a deal for equal you know for our exports going out because at the moment they've delayed i think now finally we've got the export checks coming in after brexit and they've been waved back and waved back for no other reason than to try and keep the food prices and inflation down so that the government have done you know i mean brexit as you know i'm not a fan it's very clear it's not worked and i don't know how the brexit boys can still justify their vote anyway there you go yeah i would like to see border checks of stuff coming in to the same spec full border checks i'm sorry if that means lots of people on the border but it's not fair and we can't compete unless you have that scrutiny of buying practices if you get a cartel type scenario where you have very few people buying a particular product and they clearly are keeping the price down by importing other product and paying more money for it just to subdue the prices in that country i think it's very clear the plan would be stop growing you know that particular product I think that's my little manifesto, and I think if we summarise the prices, which is why you listen to this thing at the moment, old crop wheat, no immediate obvious place to go, exports out, carry to new crop will be the saviour, the May nov spread needs to go to £25, or the July nov spread to £20 on the futures, I believe that will happen on the July to nov, I think people with May futures, here's a message to the trade, get out of your May futures position, because it's going to cost you money otherwise. Ex-farm bases against futures will decrease. In other words, there's less downside on farm wheat. It's already had the medicine taken. It won't trade at £10 under the May futures for much longer in East Anglia. Malting barley, dead on its feet at the moment, but there's a massive reliance on the coming crop. Stocks are low. Prices are still a very big premium to feed, but I think the prospects for it are not that gloomy. They're, They're relying very heavily on a good crop coming and it's six or seven months until they can use that crop so i would wait for that heat wave milling wheat premium 75 quid yes it's fallen because feed wheat's come down but it's not going to fall as much there isn't that much milling wheat around all seed rate stop growing it as i say the weather could push the issue down the road with a big price hike but it isn't going to solve the actual underlying malaise or the problem and i'd like to think i've highlighted the problem that we in agriculture all face i think there's trouble ahead and we need to start getting our arguments or act together and actually have a defined reason to start your tractor up and put it onto the m25 like they are in france finally i shall finish with two things one my podcast walk this week was me on my own billy no mate it was great actually i promised that if ever i turned up no one was there i'd still walk which i did it was lovely the only thing i didn't realize was that the cantley area is the hot spot of the blue tongue disease and therefore i think a number of people would have realized that whereas i was too dim anyway i didn't uh, speak to any cows while i was going around in fact i didn't speak to anybody except myself yeah that was billy no mates anticipation of another lonely walk the next one in february on the 29th of feb because it's a special once every four years day 2 p.m in the afternoon 
afternoon. I just don't know where we're going to do it from yet. There it is for your diary for you to think of a lonely grey trader walking around. Anyway, I hope you appreciate the bite-sized doing grain market analysis and you kind of get where I'm trying to go with it. Keep the faith and don't expect much out of your wheat prices for at least three or four weeks. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get updates on new episodes and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We are at Dewing Grain. Alternatively, you can call us on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. 